You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. For those visiting with us, we've been studying out the Acts of the Apostles, uh, because faith without deeds is dead. And others, uh, some have called it the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is, dare we say, the power of God. It's what... What gives you the ability to overcome challenges? Not that you can do it in your flesh. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, the mission was unstoppable for the first century disciples. How do we know that? Because by Colossians chapter 1, the Bible reads that all over the world, the gospel was bearing fruit and growing. So they evangelized the nations in their generation. Amen? They did it without Facebook. They did it without Instagram. They did it without even a cell phone or a telephone. Uh, they did it without a train system that could just travel you on over to the south or the north. You had to walk. If you did not have a chariot, you would walk. Uh, Paul had to walk several different places, and it would take weeks and days just to get to a city just to evangelize. They had it so, so different than we do. Uh, nowadays, we have, dare we say, a very comfortable lifestyle yeah. uh, in comparison to the first century disciples. But they got the job done. And so the reason we study the book of Acts is because they evangelized the nation in one generation. Amen? Now, the book of Acts is the directive. Okay? All the other letters are corrective measures, meaning the book of Acts is the history of the church. It's a directive on how to be saved. Right. It tells you exactly what the church should look like. A lot of people go, oh, well, how, well, how do we know what church to, to, to look for? You just look at the first century church and look at who was in the first century church. That's the church that you go to, amen? In the first century, there were no Lutherans. There were no Presbyterians. There were no Calvinists. There were none of these different names. There were only sold-out disciples. And before they were called Christians, they were disciples. So you've got to be a sold-out disciple to be in the first century church. You've got to be a sold-out disciple to be in the 21st century. Are you with me? We're in the book of Acts, and we're in chapter 14. We are a Bible church. After all, the first century church was a Bible church. How do we know that? Because they proved that Jesus was the Christ from the Old Testament. Yeah. The New Testament hadn't even been completed. They hadn't even written the book of Revelations at the time that this book here was written. And yet you have many false teachers out there that get their doctrines from the book of Revelation. And that book wasn't even written when this first century church was there. We are a Bible church. Okay? And so we go by the Old Testament and we go by the New Testament. There is no such thing as a New Testament church. That's not in Scripture, right? The Bible says in Ephesians, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles in the, in the New Testament and the prophets in the Old Testament. Last Old Testament prophet being John the Baptist right there. Are you with me here? And so the book of Acts is a directive. It's, it's the history of the church. It tells you everything. Jesus, once he left this earth, he left the great plan of salvation. Now, while Jesus walk, was walking the earth, he could do whatever he wanted to save you. He wanted to spit on the ground and take some mud, put it on your eyes, you're healed. He wanted to tell you, hey, go sin no more, you're healed. He wanted to tell you, hey, go see the priest, and before you even see the priest, you're healed, then you were healed. I mean, whatever Jesus wanted to do while he physically walked this earth, Jesus can do. Are you with me here? But once he left this earth, he left the Holy Spirit. He left a plan of salvation. That's the reason why the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Matthew, doesn't end with the cross. 
it ends with Jesus giving the great commission, right? So a lot of people think that, you know, it ended with Jesus on the cross. No, no, no. It began in many ways. Uh, because if Jesus died for you and he rose for you, you got to rise for Jesus. So the plan of salvation is laid out by Jesus in Matthew 28. 18 through 20, where, where, where Jesus said, you got to go make disciples, all nations, you got to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what they did. Are you with me right here? A lot of people get confused, and they start looking at the Gospels, and they start looking at these books as the, 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 the only, you know, the, the plan of salvation. There are seeds, there, there are shadows, there are bits and pieces in there. But if you want to know the plan, you got to look at Matthew 28, and then you got to look at the first century church. Uh, and as I had a conversation this week with a young individual, I said, hey, was Jesus under the old covenant or was Jesus under the new covenant? And they well, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, was he under the old or was he under the new? And then I read Hebrews 9 that says, hey, the new, no covenant can go into place without blood. So Jesus was under the old covenant right there. So you can't look at the old covenant. You got to look at the New Testament. So you don't go to the thief on the cross. Hey, I don't get to be baptized. Look at the thief on the cross. Well, the thief. Baptism is a participation in the death, oh, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Right. That's why the thief on the cross didn't need to get baptized, because Jesus was still on the earth. He was on the cross. He was still on the earth. Are you with me right here? Yeah. And so we can't get sucked in. There's a lot of poison out there. There's a lot of false yeah. teaching. I want to equip you today. I want I want to arm you so that your mind doesn't get thrown off by all the internet garbage, all the things that are out there that are meant to really stop the forceful advancement of the kingdom of God. Title of the lesson is Mission Unstoppable Part 2. Mission Unstoppable Part 2. I pray the mission hasn't been stopped in your heart. We're about 46 AD. Of course, we know what happened. Uh, Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas are sent off. There's all kinds of different individuals within the church. There's an international church. You see the black guy. You see the guy that's from uh, the uh, private school guy. You see all the different uh, socioeconomic backgrounds in the book of Acts in chapter 13. We talked about that last week. And so that that, that needs to be the church. And that, that's what we even see here. I see, yep. I see, I see a bunch of different colors oh, yeah. and, and yeah. shapes and sizes and all that. And that, that should be the church. And then we come to chapter 14 of the book of Acts. The Bible says this. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. Now, what was a synagogue? It wasn't necessarily a building. It was where there were at least ten men who were Jewish and who would, who would preach. So, Paul, they always went after these, these, these synagogues, these groups of men who had a religious background. Yeah. Uh, and so, right here, we see at Iconium, there was a, a, a group of men that they could go preach to. And that was Paul's normal custom. But once, once we get to Europe, we'll start to see that there was no synagogue, and we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, it says that Iconium, Paul, and Barnabas went as usual to the Jewish synagogue. There, they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed in the church. Said Amen. the Holy Spirit adds the word effective speaking. Effective. It didn't say they spoke the word. It says they spoke it effectively. Yeah. You know, we need to be able to speak the word effectively. Yeah. How did Jesus come? He came with grace and truth. He didn't come preaching the word all truth. You know, truth without love is brutality. Yeah. Love without truth is hypocrisy. So, you've got to, you've got to be effective when you, when you speak, when, you, yeah. when you're laying out the word of God. It's not good enough to be all grace in your teaching, where everything is okay. And, you know, you got churches like that. Everything, you're amazing, you're incredible, the Lord loves you, you're special. Uh, I love your eyes, your hair, your, you're the most impressive thing in the world. You are amazing, and you come out of there feeling like, 
Yeah. They just bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger like this. Mm. Right? And then there's other churches that's all truth, 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 truth. Yeah. And you leave more depressed at, from church than you, you, you can. And so Jesus came with grace and truth. Mm. Now, as we speak, we need to lay out the truth, yeah. but we also need to have grace. Mm. We need to be a merciful church. We need to be merciful people. But we also need to lay out the truth of the word of God. Are you with me here? Yeah. Now, grace and truth is not just for... Uh, uh, the leaders. It's for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Everybody has got to be willing to lay out the truth. Now, the truth hurts sometimes. Yeah. Are you with me here? Yeah. The truth does hurt. When you when you hear the truth, it, it, it kind of hurts sometimes. And, and it stains your, 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 your ego. It can mess up how you view yourself. Uh, but, but, you know, the truth is the truth. Right? Grace, we all love grace. Come on, uh, and, that, and that's something that's, that, 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 that Jesus talks about. He uses James to say, hey, mercy triumphs over judgment, right? So grace has always got to be in our teaching. We've got to speak effectively to win people to Christ. Some people need a lot of grace. They need a lot of grace. They may not know it. They need a lot of grace. You need to have a lot of forgiveness to convert their souls. A lot. Some other people need a lot of truth. You know, we had Bible talk this weekend, uh, or this week, and uh, we, we, we laid it out. It was called Spiritual Identity Death. <laughs> Uh, and I laid it out, I was looking at how, how Satan can try to steal your identity. Yeah. And we looked at Genesis chapter 3 where we know what happens there where the woman kind of de gets deceived right there. The Ad Adam stopped leading her. Yeah. He stopped teaching her the word yeah. of God or she rebelled. We don't know what happened, but something happened there. There was a breakdown. He stopped leading. She took the apple. She gave something to him. And then Satan comes to her and goes, hey, God knows you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And yet I made the point that they were created in the image of God. So Satan stole her identity. She was already like God. But Satan came and said, hey, you'll be like God. Her identity got stolen. And I, and, I, and I hope to see that, you know, as Christians, our identity can get stolen. We can get more of our identity from our culture versus our calling. Yeah. We can get more of our identity from our color, from our socioeconomic status, from our country. We can be more nationalistic mm. than we are evangelistic. Right. We can be way more fired up about the nation or the tribe rather than, than, than more fired up about what the Word of God says. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got to protect that as Christians. Yeah. That we, we are not black, white, this, that. You know, when God looks at all of the human race, he doesn't go, there's black, white. No, he just sees one race, the human race. Yeah. Uh, when you go to buy a, 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 a steak and they show all the different, cow, you know, black cow, yellow cow, the, the white spotted cow up there, you don't go, what race is that cow right there? No, one steak, it tastes real good. Okay, you don't go, oh, what race is You know, we don't believe in that, and neither does God. Are you with me right here? He says, they spoke the word of God so effectively, and it says, but the Jews refused to believe, stirred up the Gentiles, and did what? Poison their minds against who? The brothers. Our first point is mind poison. Mind poison. One of the ways that Satan tries to make the mission stoppable is by mind poison. To, to, to literally poison how you think about God. We see mind poison all the way in the beginning. I just uh, highlighted it with Genesis. Uh, Satan tried to poison her mind against God. Uh, and yet, you can get your mind poisoned against God, the Word of God, the people of God, the Church of God, all the things about God. And if you speak to people on the street, oftentimes you, you'll get a sense that they've been poisoned. No, oh, I don't want to go to church. I don't believe in organized religion. I don't believe, yeah, you do. You go to the football games, you get them dressed up, you pay your tithe at the door, you got your jersey, and you sing the songs. It's very organized religion. You know, you totally believe. You don't know it, you believe. I don't have any faith. How can I believe in a God that we see? I don't believe in anything I don't see. 
get on that building and jump off or you're going to die? Of course, that's gravity. You don't see it, but you believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't tell me you, don't, you, you need to see everything you believe. We don't need to see everything we believe. Uh, and we see the world has been so poisoned against God. Here it teaches, hey, they poison the minds of the brothers. Mind poison is huge. I've studied out this guy uh, by the name of King Mithridates uh, of Pontius. He tried to stop himself from being killed. He hated Rome. He wanted to overthrow Rome. He was like distant relative of Alexander the Great. And he wanted to overthrow Rome so bad. Uh, he, he was a contentious guy. And he, he wound up getting killed in the end by a mercenary. But one of the ways that they would kill you back in this time is by poison. Okay. Even when you look at the book of Nehemiah, it talks about Nehemiah being the cupbearer to the king. Right. Why was he the cupbearer? Because in the cup there'd be wine, and oftentimes when you want to kill the king, just put some poison in there. And so the cupbearer had to drink the cup every day, knowing that he could die yeah. before, because he had to test the wine before you give it to the king. Right. And if he dies, the king goes, "Oh, okay, so <laughs> glad it didn't happen to me right there." You know? Now I need another cupbearer right here. So Nehemiah had to trust God every day. <laughs> You know, he was cupbearer to the king. Well, that's how you got killed, is by poison often. If you, you study it out historically, a lot of the kings had assassination attempts on their life by poison. Well, this king, guy, King Mithridates, said, I got it. I, I got it figured out. I hate Rome. I'm going to go after them. They're going to try to come after me. So I'm just going to ingest small doses of poison on a daily basis. And what happened, and many don't know this, but medically, your body actually builds up a tolerance to poison. Yeah. So he built up such a tolerance to poison when the armies were against them and it was very clear he was going to be killed, he thought, I'll just take a big dose of poison and I'll die. But he built up such a tolerance, he took a big dose of poison and it didn't kill him. <laughs> Why? His body got used to the poison. His mind got used to the poison. He physically couldn't even be killed by the poison because he got used to it. I really believe we live in a time where we are being very, very, very confused and we're being poisoned on a daily basis. Yeah. Oh and our bodies and our minds are getting so tolerant, yeah. we don't think it'll take us out. Different than him, it will take us out. We won't get so tolerant we take a big dose of it and, and we'll still be alive. Although we are taking huge doses of poison on a daily basis. Yeah. You say, how? I believe mind poison started with, the, with enlightenment. The age of enlightenment, where we got so enlightened, where we got so smart as a, as humans, where we, we started questioning everything, and where there's a higher education than God. There is no higher education than God. No higher education. And since that time, there's all kinds of things that have poisoned our mind. Yeah. Feminism. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Feminism. Poisoning us to, to, to really believe that, hey, you know, it's all about women. <coughs> And raising up women. Now, all the atrocities and negative and bad things that happen to women are bad, period, period. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not about feminism. Great. We don't we don't believe in feminism. Mm. Yeah. We're quiet on that. No, we don't. Atheism. Come on, Mike. The rise of there is no God. How, what an arrogant thought. Yeah. Mm. This is the most arrogant thought that's out there. Yeah. We're being poisoned with atheism on a daily basis. We're being poisoned with feminism on a daily basis. Yeah. One of the greatest poisons is homosexuality. Yeah. Homosexuality. It's told to us that it's a lifestyle, and we believe, I believe, when you look at it biblically, it's not a lifestyle, it's a death style. Yeah. It's going to take you out. Yeah. And so we have to give a little straight talk about gay marriage yeah. and these types of things. 
Yeah. Why? Our children are being taught. Yeah. They're being taught in school. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I had to go to school. I had the most heated debate and argument with the school because they're literally giving ingesting, re-showing, you know, the teacher says she read an excerpt from a book that says, hey, where can you have some good weekend sex? That was the first excerpt from a book she read to a class. My son came home. He was disturbed. He told me about it. I went right up to that school. Come on. Come on. I talked to the head teacher. I called the teacher at first. And she I'll, I'll meet you right after school. She was very angry. And I got up there, she didn't meet me. Uh, I, met, I met the head teacher. I talked to him. Very humble man. Very diligent man. Wrote, wrote me a letter. I'm meeting with him next week. Uh, and I showed him the expert, the excerpt. And then another teacher came in. And she goes, well, it, you know, it's not that big of a deal. I go, I go ma'am, um, it, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Because yeah, you, you're one of the only fathers. You're probably about one percent here in the UK that would even have an issue with this. That's what she said. <laughs> and and I, you know, I, I, I'm not looking for applause. I, I, I just, I thought, wow. How poisoned have we got? Where we accept these things and we allow teachers to kindle fires in the yeah. parts of our children that don't need to be kindled, that can't be quenched with yeah. just, it's okay. Yeah. That's not a big deal. Yeah. Reading books that go into graphic sexual content at school. You know, I, I just had a problem with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I still do. Yeah. We live in a time Come on, bro. <laughs> where being a sports star uh, you know, is, is, is condoned, but being a gay sports star, oh, you, you're really, oh, you're amazing now. Because you've come out. And yet we got to ask ourselves as Christians, have we come out of the closet? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, have we come out of Does everyone know you're really a Christian, that you believe there. the Bible, that, yeah. that, that, that is a sin, no different than all the others. Yeah. I gave a talk in another school this week. And I gave the talk about our church and what we do, and they were so excited, and wow, it sounds amazing, and you have young people, and you've been moving, and your church is growing, that's a man, and they asked a million dollar question at the end. Do you accept homosexuality? And I said, no. <laughs> I believe there's a poison of homosexuality, feminism, atheism. Yeah. These types of things are poisoning the minds, even disciples. Even disciples. Some disciples go, we don't need to take such a hard stance. Uh -oh. That's because you built up a tolerance. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't really, you know, it, it doesn't hurt anymore. You've gotten numb. You know, last year I remember there was the gay uh, pride celebration day. This year it's the gay celebration month. Day after day after day. Say, well, I was born this way. Well, you can be born again. <laughs> you can be born again. That's what the Bible teaches. And we say this because we've got to confront head on the things that are poisoning the minds of people. That's right. Not because it's a worse sin than all the others. It's a sin. It's a sin. And when I was at that school, I said, hey, listen, we look at that no different than we look at a man being unfaithful to us or to his wife. A man's being unfaithful to his wife, that's just like being unfaithful to God with, 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 with the sin of homosexuality. And we have people in our church that had that challenge, had that struggle, <coughs> but they had their minds fixed by the Word of God. Yeah. Yeah. They had their hearts fixed by the Word of God. They've renounced those shameful secrets, those sins, and now they're true disciples. At the end of that, they go, okay, 
and say, Clack, okay, enough for now. You can go through today. <laughs> what is the purpose of mind poison? Second Thessalonians chapter nine. Come on, Michael. Come on, Michael. Second Thessalonians. You know, the church in Thessalonica, Paul got that church going quite quickly. They fell in love with him. He was only there three weeks. The Bible says on three Sabbath days he reasoned. The Sabbath at the end of seven days, and he reasoned and he got the church going. And so in Thessalonica, it says this here in verse 9, chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 9. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work, with, accordance with how Satan works, or the work of Satan, other translations. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie, and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth. And so be saved. For this reason, God sends them. This is one of the most scary scriptures in the world. God, God sends them a powerful delusion. So that they will believe the lie. And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but delighted in wickedness. That is the purpose of the subtle mind poison of atheism. That is the purpose of the subtle mind poison of Christianity is not the only way. That is the subtle poison, uh, mind poison of homosexuality. To get the generations to believe the lie. And they are starting young. They're starting with our children. As disciples, I truly believe we got to be mindful of these sins. And I think as disciples, we understand these sins. But I think as disciples, sometimes we can build up a tolerance to laziness. Mm -hmm. We can build up a tolerance to bitterness. We can build up a tolerance to criticalness. And we can build up a, a, a tolerance to a lack of fruit. Yeah. And we're just, we don't, we don't feel guilty that we're unfruitful anymore. <laughs> we don't really feel bad that we don't share our faith. We, there, there's no pain. I, I, you know, I, I feel okay. Have some of the church? Don't have some of the church. In a study? Not in a study. No difference to me. And I think these are very dangerous signs yeah. of mind poison. As they poison the minds against the brothers, we as disciples have to be on guard of the mind poison of the world. When our minds get poisoned, the mission becomes stoppable. The mission becomes stoppable. You guys still with me here? Yes. Verse 4. The people of that city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot put among the Gentiles and the Jews together with the leaders to mistreat them and to stone them. But they found out about it and they fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and the surrounding country where they continued to preach the good news. In Lystra, there sat a man crippled in his feet who was lame from birth and had never walked. The Bible says they preached the word to him, and then if you skip over to verse 12, it says uh, as the people heard the word of God being preached, in verse 12 it says Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was chief, <laughs> he was chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, who was the, uh, uh, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out of the crowd. They said, man, why are you doing this? <clears throat> we too are only men, human like you. 
to not get sucked into the Pope and all these other things. <laughs> we are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all things, he let all nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops and seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your heart with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. We stop right there. I mean, this is so intense. They go and preach the word to these Gentiles, and what made it tough is that it, they think, they, wow, these guys must be awesome. And they started equating Paul and Barnabas to their own Greek mytho mythological uh, gods. Right? They, 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 they call uh, Barnabas, they called Zeus. Zeus was, was the older guy uh, from the mythology, and Barnabas uh, was Hermes. Uh, and they say that because Hermes was, as it says there, the chief speaker. So, and that's how it was. Paul was the main speaker. Uh, and, 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 and Zeus was the older. Barnabas was the older guy. And if you look at mythology, you see Zeus has got the beard and all that stuff. And so they took the message of God, but the problem is that their mind has been poisoned by their false religion so long, they equated the teachings of God. They stuck it into their own mindset. You know, it's very interesting. When you read the Bible, oftentimes people can have issues with the Bible because they have a predisposed mindset yeah. before they read it. Before they read it, their mind is already set instead of letting the Bible set their minds. And because of that, they, they didn't say, oh, this is about Jesus. They equated their own gods. And so it takes a lot more work to win over people that don't have a deep Christian background. Right? Because this is written to Gentiles. They, they, they would not have the Old Testament basis uh, to really make reference to. They, they go to their Gentile uh, mentality, their Gentile gods. Uh, and so when people don't have a Christian background, it takes a lot more work to win them on over. There could be a sin of idolatry that creeps on in. Uh, and even though Paul tells them not to, Barnabas tells them not to, they still wanted to worship them. And then in verse 19, it says, Then some Jews came from Antioch. Remember, not Gentiles. It says, Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. <laughs> But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. Amen. The next day, he and Barnabas left for different. <laughs> he goes, I'm not dead. He went back into the city and then he said, okay, I'm <laughs> You know, you got to be tough to be a disciple. Yeah. And a lot of people think maybe he died at this point and he resurrected. Because the Bible does say there was a man who was caught up into the third heaven. So we don't know right there. The Bible's yeah. silent. But we do know he almost died, and they thought he was dead. But we also know that the strongest persecution in the kingdom is always against those who are religious. It was the Jews who, who, who oh, yeah. caused it. You know, the, the Gentiles just had problems sacrificing to him. They had problems understanding that there's only one God. They had problems understanding that Jesus is the way. They had problems understanding, okay, we need to give up our, our, our stuff. And they had problems with that. But the, the Jews knew they had an Old Testament basis and background. They came, and they, and they, and they tried to kill Paul Barnes. The strongest opposition against Christianity comes from those who think they have a relationship with God. Yeah, that's right. The strongest opposition against Christianity comes from those who think they're doing the work of God. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we had a Bible talk this week that was, whew, 
simply stated, weird. <laughs> you know, we had some smoking Bible talks. I'd love to get up here and tell you about it this week. And usually we do. It's amazing. We have all these visitors. This week we had the weirdest Bible talk. You know, I, I, I opened the first question and one guy puts his hands up like this here. And I go, okay, we'll get to you. And he kept it up. Like this. And he kept it up like this. Like he just kept his hand up, and I was struggling right there. I was trying to keep it cool and trying to stay like was messing up. Stuff. I was like, "Sir, we'll come right back." Oh, I got my hands up and getting angry. And I got my son there, and my wife's kind of nervous. And we got some other visitors who are like, "What is this?" And we're just sitting there. And I tried, and I tried to be nice, and then I just had to take it over and go, "Hey, listen, yes, sit down." Amen. Yes, sit down. You've got to be unified. This is not a platform. The other person goes, hey, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. You can never fall away from God. It's all over the time. So I said, okay, sir, you got to use the Bible when you say things. Please keep it on topic. Thank you so much for your sharing. Okay, one more question, one more question. Okay, that's it for our Bible talk today. We're going to have food and fellowship. Let's take a break. We have a prayer. And then right after that, I went over to both of them and I started rebuking both of them. Now, the disciples are a little nervous. They were like, bro, this is a little uncomfortable. you got to confront religious Hypocrisy head on. Jesus was the strongest against people that were religious. And we had a young lady who comes out. She's amazing. She 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 loves her Bible. She knows her Bible pretty well. But 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 she's off on a lot of things. And I go, Well, show you right here in the Bible what it says. So you're saying I'm lost? No, God is. You're totally lost. You're totally lost. Your lifestyle doesn't dictate somebody being saved. Yeah, but how can you lose your salvation? The same way you lose your keys, easily. <laughs> you lost your oyster card? You ever lose your oyster card? You ever, you, you ever, you ever lost anything? You ever found something and lost it again? You can find God and then lose God again. Yeah. Yes. I believe God can be taken away from you. The Bible says in First Peter says there's an inheritance that can never be taken away. What if you never get to heaven to get the inheritance? Right. And so I showed her First Peter where she read that scripture that says God can never take away your inheritance. I said, turn over to Galatians chapter five. And at the end of it, it says those who live like this will not.
only one way. The Quran is a false teaching. It is come straight out of the pit of the of, of hell. Uh, yeah. Wrong. Six hundred years after the world was already evangelized, they created that thing. Yeah. He studied all Judaism. That's the reason why it looks so similar to Judaism, because he studied Judaism. He copied. It. We will be persecuted for for that statement. Yeah. But to be a true Christian, you got to have that stance. Yeah. You've got to have that stance. You've got to not let your inheritance get taken from you. Yeah. Because your mind gets poisoned. You want to yeah. win your friends over. You want to win the family over. You want to win your culture over. And you give up your conviction to do so. Yeah. Paul and Barnabas never did that in the Bible. We can never do that as disciples. We can't give up our conviction. Right. We've got to know our conviction. And we've got to have conviction. Are you with me right here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Number 15. Or chapter 15, rather. Yeah. Let's go on. Man focus or mission focus? Man focus or mission focus? In chapter 15, this is about 49 AD. This is roughly probably 20 years after the church has gotten going. And we have, dare we say, the first church split. You have a bunch of brothers that say, hey, you got to be circumcised to be saved. And you got a bunch of brothers that go, no, you got to be baptized to be saved. And so that brought a huge council. And we've heard over history of the different councils. And if you haven't, there have been several councils over the course of Christendom and history. This is the first one. It's the Council uh, uh, of Jerusalem. And this is where all these uh, councils where a bunch of different individual Christian leaders come together and kind of, hey, let's be hard line and make a, a decision on some of the core fundamental principles of salvation. Uh, and right here, this was one of them, whether you got to be circumcised or baptized. Now, circumcision in the Old Testament was the cutting away of the foreskin of the male organ right there. And of course, you know, when we, when we circumcise our hearts, we cut away the things that, that are that are excess around. We cut away the sin uh, around our hearts. But in the New Testament, Jesus made it very clear that you have to repent and be baptized to be saved. Yeah. In Acts chapter 2, verse 36, they teach to repent and be baptized. It doesn't say be baptized and then repent. It doesn't say come out and you... And that's the reason why you don't baptize a child, because the child doesn't, doesn't even have any knowledge of repentance. They have no idea what, 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 what is right or wrong, really. And even up to, you know, six, seven years old, you know, kids are so honest, they don't even know it's kind of harsh to say, hey, you're fat. <laughs> kids will say that to you. <laughs> they'll go, hey, how are you? You're fat. Church could split. 
this is huge. That's why they had a council. The church could have split over this. And so we see the reason why you need a central leader. Not just because one man makes a decision, but to draw unity. You need a central leader in a marriage. You need one person who makes a decision. You know, wife is like, no, we, 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 I, I want to go to Nando's, honey. And the husband's like, well, I want to go to McDonald's. <laughs> and, the kid, and, 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 you know, and the kids are like, I want to go to Burger King. <laughs> right? You know, or KFC, or as my daughter says, GPS. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. She calls it GPS. <laughs> Every day after school, Dad, we go to GPS? <laughs> and we go to KFC. KFC. I try to teach her, no, sweetheart, it's actually KFC. She still calls it GPS. <laughs> <laughs> And so the, the, the whole point is you need one man to draw draw everybody together. Yeah. We, we live in a time where people don't want one man to make the final decision. We don't want one man to make a judgment. He says, it is my judgment. God gave him the leadership and he made the judgment right here. That's the right and wrong. And it was a good judgment, but, but his, 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 his opinion superseded everybody's. A lot of people don't realize this. 90% of what we do is an opinion thing. Guided by scripture. But there's no scripture that says meet us at this hotel at 10 a.m. on a Sunday. There's no scripture. The Bible says make sure you go to church. So, 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 so we've got to get behind our leaders' decisions, even their opinions. Even their opinions. Especially when it has to do with salvation. That is another non-disputable thing or, you know, it's not a salvation issue and you want to believe that Jesus hung out in hell or whatever. Or, you know, in the book of Revelation, these things that don't really matter or whatever, that, that, that's fine. Everyone can have their desires on simple opinion issues. But when it comes to who saves and who's lost, th- th- this is not a disputable matter as it says in Romans chapter 14. Of course, the Europeans were the ones who struggled with that the most. So this is not a disputable matter. You need a central leader. You need. The entire church got man-focused in many ways. The entire church. One was more focused on the Jews, one more focused on the Gentiles, and they weren't focused on God. James says, it's my judgment that we don't make it hard for people to get saved. And and, and, and he puts his foot down right there. We need a central leader. Are you with me here? Man-focused or God-focused comes even in in, in the more fruition, as you see at the end of this verse, at the end of this chapter, in verse 36, it says, Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Follow-up is in the Bible, right? Yeah. I know you guys are emailing our brother Micah, and I know you guys are emailing our brother Alex uh, from Brazil, and you're Facebooking him and WhatsApping him right there, right? Yeah. I know you've done that. Sisters as well, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay, we're following up. We're making sure Alex is still fired up, right? She's in front row. She's taking notes. We're, right? we're following up on Joe. Right, church? Yeah. Yeah. Making sure they're doing well. Okay, where's Lashay? You making sure Lashay's doing well? Yep. Okay, where's Lashay? He's in the back right there, okay? We've got to follow up on all the brothers and sisters that we preach the word to as they did here and make sure, how, make sure they're doing well. And then the Bible says this Barnabas wanted to take John Mark. John, also called Mark, because this is the, the Mark who wrote the book of Mark. It says, Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it is wise to take him, because he had what? Deserted them in Pamphylia, and not continued with them in the work. They had just a sharp disagreement. They parted company. Barnabas took Mark 
and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches, and the church said, Amen. Amen. Man-focused or mission-focused? Right here we find a very important uh, disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. Commentators love to say, hey, nobody was wrong. Why? Because we don't like black and white. We, we, we live in a society, we don't want a black and white anything. <laughs> Yet God is, is, is very black and white. Old Testament, New Testament. <coughs> Heaven, hell. Light, darkness. <coughs> Save, lost. Jew, Gentile. Right, wrong. Sin, repent. He's very black and white. <laughs> we can keep going on that one. But if we, live in a, we live in a world, especially if you come from where I'm from, America. Americans have the Burger King mentality, have it your way. But I think that's the Western world. We want to have it our way. We hate that black and white thing. We don't like these absolutes. We don't, that's the reason why we don't believe in absolute truth, and that's talk. There is no absolute truth. And I say, is that absolutely true? <laughs> How can you trust the Word of God? How can you trust the Word of your mind? How can you trust your mind? And the thoughts that you have, and the thoughts that you think, and the things that you think when nobody's watching, and all the things that are cruising around on the TV screen of your mind. You trust all of that over the Word of God? You don't trust the Bible? The Bible tells everybody's flaws and sins. And, and you know, you ever read a biography of somebody? It's always so glorious. You read, you know, Obama's biography. It's so amazing. He doesn't get detail about his sin. You look at David in the Bible, and it just says all of his stuff. The Bible is written from God. It tells you're good, you're bad. God doesn't hide anything from us. Are you with me right here? Yeah. Barnabas, I really believe, got man-focused instead of mission-focused. Now, most powerful is he was able to help John Mark become useful for Paul later on in his missionary journey and his travels. Because we know the Bible says that John Mark got strengthened and he went on. But we know from Scripture here already that John Mark was the cousin of Barnabas. And the Bible just says Barnabas got, they, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose, I mean, he lost his top guy. Not only his top guy, an older brother in the fellowship. This guy had been around for a long time. This is a good 20 some odd years into the church being, being established. You can fall away after being a Christian for 20 years. Now, we don't say that Barnabas fell away, because we don't know for sure, but we do know he disappeared from Scripture. Yeah. You don't hear about Barnabas any other, any other time after this. Now, in the book of Galatians, in chapter 2, the Bible says that Barnabas was led astray by hypocrisy, and Peter was led astray by hypocrisy, and Paul had to confront them. Now, there are two theories about that. Nobody knows 100%. There's a North Galatian theory and a South Galatian theory. The North Galatian theory says, hey, the book of Galatians was written a long time after, maybe 58, 59 A.D., the South Galatia theory says, no, the book of Galatians was written right about this time. Maybe right after the Jerusalem Council, right around 47. So it could very well be that Paul saw that as an older Christian, Barnabas was getting sentimental, Barnabas was getting man-focused, and, and, and Barnabas was not doing so well. And then it comes to fruition here with this disagreement. And of course, he takes Barnabas or he takes down Mark, sorts him out, and then he sends him later. But you don't hear from Barnabas anymore. I think Barnabas got man focused. He got focused on his cousin. Yeah. He got focused on his cousin, which isn't a bad thing. It isn't a bad thing. 
I guess the positive about the fact that Mark came back into the field is that everybody gets a second chance. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Awesome. As a Christian, yeah. you can get a second chance. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? You can you, you can you can you can try to be a disciple, try to do it, mess up, blow it, but then you can you can get a second chance. That's right. You can desert the movement of God. Yeah. You know, there are so many brothers and sisters that are listening right now. They're deserters. They've deserted the movement of God. Yeah. They have opinions about what we're doing. They think they know better because yeah. in their hypocrisy, yeah. they're yeah. deceived. Their minds are poisoned. They're yeah. flat out going to hell if they die today. Yeah. Oh but they can get a second chance. That's right. Preach. They come back. I never forget when Jamie Gribdai called up and said, I listened to one of those sermons, bro. Oh, yeah. One of them. Yeah. 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 He's not only getting a second chance at salvation and doing great things and helping build the South region, he's getting married next week. Yeah. Yeah. He's getting married next week. And so, in many ways, the, 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 the principle of Barnabas helping Mark have the second chance is, is, is something that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. It's awesome to have a second chance. Yes. But the other thing is, hey, that truth of the word of God of Paul saying, Barnabas, you're not ready. That sat in John Mark's heart as well. Mm-hmm. And although the grace of Barnabas helped him, the truth of Paul helped him as well. Mm-hmm. He, he thought about that for years. And then he finally got strong enough. And the Bible tells you who the Holy Spirit brings positive affirmation to. Because it says in verse 40, Paul chose Silas and left commended by the brothers. Doesn't say Barnabas was commended. <coughs> Quite clear. Paul was commended. Barnabas was not. And of course, Paul went through strengthening the churches. Why? He was mission focused. He was mission focused. He saw a man and he saw the mission. He says, I could either strengthen one individual or I could strengthen churches. Wow. That's a pretty tough one sometimes when you yeah. care about both. Yeah. But we see the one that got commendation was the one that says, we got to strengthen churches. Do you have a man-focused mentality to what we're doing or a mission-focused mentality? See, when we have a mission focus, we think, how does it strengthen all of the churches in Europe? How does it strengthen all of the churches in London? What, 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 what do we got to do to strengthen all of the, the groups in London? Not, what do we do for me personally? Or because I'm close to this individual. But how can we strengthen all the churches? How can we be mission focused? We know we can be mission focused by giving our weekly weekly contribution. Because when we give financially, it helps keep the lights on so we can have meetings like this and preach against all the sinners out there so we can have church. Are you with me here? So we've got to be hardline on this. And I I was a bit disappointed in our church. There are many of us who have given so consistently to the work of the Lord. But just a week ago, we had 19 people in the church not give anything. And often that happens when a few challenges come in your life and you believe you can rob God. Well, we know what the Bible says in Malachi chapter 3. It says when you rob God, you'll be under a curse. God can say, hey, you know, I know the desires of your heart. I know you want to get married, but you might be giving contributions. I'm going to extend it out another year. <laughs> One more year in the desert of singleness. <laughs> <laughs> you get conviction about really giving. you got to give. Just do not miss your giving. Don't be man-focused. Who's the man that you can get focused on? Yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, brother, you're missing your giving. 
One more year in singledom, in the desert of singledom. <laughs> <laughs> you going to come to church and no, if you haven't seen a sister and she hasn't seen you, because you are not, you, you're mad folks. You, yeah. You've got to make sure that you, you, you're giving the support the mission. Giving the support the mission. Do we can go on on this one? I think another way that we, that we can be mission focused is that everyone is mission focused. Not just those who are on staff or who are leaders, but everybody is sharing their family. Everybody's doing the best they can to try and strengthen the churches, try to build and make disciples. We've got to have relationships with all nations. This is a great challenge for us to make sure that we have friends of all nations. When you have friends of all nations, guess what? You've got high chances of making disciples of all nations. But if you only can relate to people that are your racial background, you're in trouble. You know, I shared faith with some Russians yesterday. I felt awesome with that. I said, Jaja blue Ruski Uchinikov. I thought I had a breakfast gift speaking in tongues right there. I felt so awesome about it. And then the guy goes, and he said a few things back to me, and then and, and I go, You're Russian, right? He goes, No, we're Albanian. I go, oh, man. Sorry. I was trying, I was like, I want to get these guys, man. I'm a Russian now. Russian. I'm a Russian Russian. I'm a Russian into the kingdom. Do you desire to have relationships with all nations? Yes. That, that will strengthen our churches. Yeah. When every single disciple has deep convictions, but I need to be friends with everybody. Mm. I need to learn how to win people over that have the, yeah. the same-sex attraction. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's um, for me, I, I, okay, it's easy to preach against it, but what are you doing to, 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 to help? Yeah. You, you, you've got to have a soft heart towards every single yeah. nation. Can you imagine one radical man who had that homosexual background who went and said, everything we are doing is preaching? They're out there. They could be just waiting for us. But if we look at what they're doing, and we get man-focused, instead of mission-focused, to go, wow, this movement is unstoppable. They're going all around the world with this message of same-sex attraction. If we can win some of these people and how they would impact the kingdom. That's true. Radicalizing the jihad. Wow, if we can win wow. a few of these people over. Yeah. Disciples that are willing to go into Syria and die for Jesus. Yeah. For Jesus. You know, that's the powerful thing about Jesus. Jesus died. I always tell people that have Muslim background. Well, you know, the Muslims, the Quran teaches that, hey, the greatest good you can do is die for Allah. But the Bible teaches the greatest good is that God died for you. Yeah. I'd rather go for that God. Yeah. Yeah. Right, go Let's keep going. Chapter 16. Last point. When you're unteachable, you're unreachable. When you're unteachable, you are unreachable. It says in chapter 16, he came to Derby, then to Lystra. I love that order because, you know, in Lystra he almost got killed. <laughs> Uh, and then Derby is also one of the cities that he went to. So he says, Paul says, let's go to Derby and check on that one. They didn't try to kill me there. And then I'll go over to Lystra. Who did try to kill me? I could die there. Yeah. <laughs> he came to Derby and then to Lystra, where the Simon named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewish and a believer, but whose father was Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along for the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who had lived in that area. For they all knew that his father was Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. What's special about John Mark or uh, Timothy right here is he was reachable because he was teachable. 
Paul just got through being in the synagogue debating and having a heated council on circumcision. And the fact that you didn't need to be circumcised to be saved. And what happens in chapter 16? Timothy gets circumcised. Isn't that interesting? Chapter 15, you don't need to be circumcised. Chapter 16, you get circumcised. Why? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the Bible says, hey, to the Jew, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. The Bible teaches that we've got to become all things to all men. Yeah. It goes right back to what I just shared about having a lot of relationships with other nations. Right? You've got to become all things to all men. Paul knew that Timothy would not be able to win them on over unless he became like them in a sense and got circumcised. So this was an opinion issue that he submitted to his leader on. He says, you think I need to do that just to be able to win more people over? I will do that. Mm. Question. Are you willing to be discipled on opinion issues? Mm. Amen. Things that are not necessarily going to save you or not. But that will help you be able to win another individual to Christ. This has got to be our heart as as, as disciples. This will make the mission unstoppable. Can you imagine every single member of the church said there's not one single off-limits area in my life. Disciple my hygiene. Disciple how I dress. Disciple my looks. Disciple my haircut. James is saying haircut because I had to talk with him. Bro, this would be a good haircut. Do this haircut, you're just going to fall in love with you even more. And James, older Christian, he did it. He got the haircut. He was like that. Some of us would get angry at certain areas of our lives where you touched on. That's right. Sister, I know you're black. You need to marry a white guy. You need a white guy. I'm a strong black boy. Well, you may be unteachable, and you may be unreachable. White guy? You need a little bit more zip to you. You need black
They were saying, come over and help us. We were expecting to find the Macedonian man. When Paul gets over there, he finds the Macedonian woman. Right? Yeah. And it's a dealer in purple, a woman from Tyatara, a woman from Asia. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of the household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us, and the church said, Amen. That's a pretty awesome woman to persuade somebody as, as, as strong-willed as Paul. Uh, and yet we see the church in, in, in Europe started with an Asian woman. And this always reminds me of my lovely wife. Isn't it awesome when you see the Bible come to life in your life? Mm-hmm. How did we start the church right here? You know, simply because Michelle has a British passport, and, mm-hmm. and, and it was very—it was God's will for for London to be evangelized, for Europe to be evangelized. So we came here because God had opened her heart to respond to the message as a young Christian, and now here we are preaching the word yeah. in, in in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, there's also a great, great, great lesson here because in Europe, from the get-go, there was an absence of strong men. There was no synagogue for Paul to go into. No synagogue. They normally went to the synagogue. That's ten guys. They got those guys. Yeah. But here, when he got to Europe, he saw an absence of strong men. Now, we in Europe, as the European men, go, okay, we see that in the Bible, and that's not going to be a, In the first century, that's how it was, but that's not going to be how it is in the 21st century. Amen. 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 Amen.
Because when we remain teachable, we'll be able to teach others. Mm-hmm. Let us let the mission not be stoppable. Let, us, let it not be stoppable. We, have, we said at the beginning of this year, we want everybody to be fruitful. Yeah. Have you given up that mission? No. Nope. Have you given up that challenge? No. We want everybody, not just those who, who, who are part of everybody in the church to be fruitful. This, this has got to be our challenge. I love our sister Jenny. You know, she, she doesn't speak English very well. She wants to be fruitful. She wants to be fruitful. She, she wants to go after it. Oh, yeah. And I'll never forget the miracles there in Moscow, Russia. We first planted that church. Yeah. The first year, 800 people got back. Wow. 800 people. Right. We're back at the end of chapter 16 next week. Let's okay. make sure that the mission's not stoppable in our hearts. To God be able to glory. Yeah. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events or devotionals you can find all that on our website also once again we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one